Okay, welcome you guys to another episode of the Encore Podcast. Chris McCullough here along with Gab. Hello, Gab. Hello, how's it going? It's going pretty well, all things considered. It's starting to finally feel like spring around these parts, so I'm happy about that. Last week, by the way, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, Ohio, announced their nominees, or I should say they announced their inductees for the class of 2022. They took the fan vote. Of course, you voted. I voted as well. And then, they, no, you didn't vote and I didn't either. So let's be <laughs> honest about this. No, I didn't vote. I voted in years past, but this year's crop just didn't really honestly do much for me that made me want to go to the website and vote. So I kind of let this one slip by. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I do like Pat Benatar finally being inducted into the uh, Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, of course, with her husband, Neil Gerardo. Those two are inseparable musically. Duran Duran is also getting in. A lot of rock people are happy about that. Really? Eminem. Yeah, Eminem. Let's see. Eurythmics. That would be Annie Lennox and Dave Stewart. Dolly Parton. Now, there's an outlier for you, if ever there was one. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the story about Dolly and getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? No, tell me. Just refresh my memory. So they let her know earlier this year, I think, that they were planning to induct her. And she said, no, thank you. And then the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame said, we weren't looking for your feedback. And then they inducted her anyway. So, yeah. but I think it's really kind of funny that she said that she didn't want to be in it. But when she explained why she didn't want to be nominated or inducted, she said that there was just people before her that she felt like better fit in there. And that's what she wanted. She wanted to give the spot to someone else. So I respect that about her. I really do. You know, being inducted against your will, it should be a crime <laughs> in this country, but apparently it's not. So aside from Dolly Parton, uh, Lionel Richie is also going in this year, as is Carly Simon. I've heard this called on social media, the soft rock and roll hall of fame induction. Really? <laughs> this year, you know, I guess because Carly Simon's in Lionel Richie is going in even the rhythmics to some degree, kind of, you know, I mean, I played soft rock on the radio for years and years and years. And just about all of these artists I played throughout the years. And so I wouldn't call a lot of them pure rock artists by any stretch of the imagination. But anyway, by the way, the induction ceremony will be November 5th in Los Angeles. And in case you don't know, artists are eligible for the rock hall 25 years after their first commercial recording was released. And of this particular class, Eminem, Duran Duran, Lionel Richie, Carly Simon, Dolly Parton, they're all first-time nominees, which is pretty interesting. That doesn't always happen. It's also Eminem's first year of eligibility and the second nomination for Eurythmics and Pat Benatar. I was going to say, I can't believe Eminem's been on the scene for 25 years, although I guess... I just conflate that with my own age and I forget how old I am sometimes. So <laughs> good. I forget how old I am too, but that's purposeful on my part. <laughs> <laughs> You'll understand when you get to be my age. Do you have any strong feelings on anybody on the list? Strong feelings. I, you know, I, I was thinking of Dolly Parton and God love her. You know how I do like Dolly Parton. And I like the fact that she said, thanks, but no, thanks. I think there are other people that are more deserving but I was thinking about, you know, to my knowledge, there are no purely rock artists in the country music hall of fame. 
Yet people like Chet Atkins, Johnny Cash, Jimmy Rogers, and Hank Williams, among others, are all in the Rock Hall. But there are no real rock artists in the Country Music Hall. And I don't know whether that's here nor there, but they seem to have a little bit like a purity test going on as far as that goes. I have no problem at all with R&B artists being inducted into the Rock Hall of Fame because rhythm and blues are such an integral part of rock and roll. They was heavily borrowed from rhythm and blues to create rock and roll back in the day. I have no problem with that at all. I've got no problem with Eminem being inducted either. How about you? I was surprised by some of these names just because of kind of what you said. No, I really, I got to say, it's, I think it's about time artists like Eurythmics were included. Duran Duran, I think, is kind of overdue. Pat Benatar, for me, stands out on this list as someone who should have gone in long ago. Uh, it's been much more than 25 years and only the second time that she's been nominated. So wow. I, th- I think it's a good thing that she's going in. Lionel Richie. R&B and pop. And he actually even kind of crossed over into the country genre a couple of times. You know, as a matter of fact, he uh, wrote songs for Kenny Rogers. And if I'm not mistaken, did a duet with a country artist years ago. Carly Simon, talk about a great singer songwriter from late 60s through the 70s. She has quite a catalog of music to her credit. And I'm surprised there seems to be this thing these days where artists are selling their catalog for incredible obscene amounts of money yep and i would think that carly simon probably would be could be in that league if she ever decided to go for it i thought a tribe called quest was interesting i'm not i have to admit i'm not familiar tell me about them i mean i'm not super familiar with them either but i've heard their music and it's definitely more along the hip-hop R&B that we were kind of talking about earlier, but I noticed on their website that they rock and roll hall of fame foundation, I guess is what they go by chairman of rock. What a title that is. I'm going to go with that chairman of rock. And he was saying that this is a diverse group of incredible artists who have had a profound impact on the sound of youth culture. So when I look at this list with that in mind, it's Really interesting to me because I feel like Dionne Warwick and Dolly Parton especially are having like a little bit of a renaissance right now. Hmm. Interesting. I hadn't heard that about Dionne Warwick, but I'll take your word for that. But, you know, with, with all of this, and I know that they're because I've been reading on social media how upset some real pure rock and roll people are about some of these people going into the Rock Hall of Fame. But then again, you know, the hall says, and I quote, The award is given to artists, musicians, songwriters, and producers whose originality and influence creating music have had a dramatic impact on music itself. So you can't argue with that. Right. Or or can you? (laughs) I think people will. And they have been. Do you ever watch the induction ceremonies? I haven't, but now I feel like I should. They're pretty long, right? Yeah, they are pretty long. Yeah. And I think it's going to be on HBO Uh, November 5th out of uh, somewhere in Los Angeles. So I'm busy that day. (laughs) The old sock drawer thing needs (laughs) to be rearranged. (laughs) Oh, you kids. That's funny. All All right. Congratulations to all, all of the inductees for the rock and roll hall of fame class of 2022. We're going to take a break here on the encore podcast. When we come back, we have a couple of people 
who are doing something very, very exciting and adventuresome and kind of risky, all put together into one little bag. They're friends of mine. I worked with one of them uh, years ago in radio in Philadelphia, and we'll talk to them uh, right after the break here on the Encore podcast. Okay, we are back on the uh, Encore podcast. And I, I got to say, Gab, I've been looking forward to uh, this interview now for a couple of weeks because the two people that we're going to interview are not just friends of mine. And one of them I worked with there for a long time in Philadelphia radio, but they're also a great couple and they are on an adventure that I think is going to make a lot of you very, very jealous when you hear some of the details. Say hello to Chris and PJ Klein. Hi, guys. Hi, everybody. Hi, Hi Chris. <laughs> it's so good. Now, we're, we're, we're uh, recording this on Zoom, and I haven't seen these couple, save for some pictures and things on, on social media in quite a while. But you both look great. I wasn't sure what I was going to see when we plugged in today, whether it was going to look like a sort of a leftover of Survivor. You both look like you just got off of the health uh, wheel there somewhere. Oh, good. It doesn't look like we've been dragging ourselves all over the world. We have looked like that, though. <laughs> like, like, yeah. <laughs> no, visib- no visible mosquito bites or anything like that. So that's good. First of all, in the way of introduction, uh, these two are calling themselves untethered travelers, which is a great way to put it because, well, first of all, they're married to each other. They're also business partners for a long time. These two are currently living their dream of exploring the world in search of the perfect place to call home. Now, home, I know for the both of you, used to be Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It's still here. Do you miss Wawa at all, by the way? Every day, every day. It's good to know that you're still there. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Wawa we miss and Whole Foods. Well, after months of planning and preparation, these two left their full-time jobs and they sold their house and all of their possessions, except for maybe a suitcase or two, and hit the road with just one suitcase. This is just an absolute amazing thing to most people hearing this, because although it may be a dream of a lot of people, it almost seems like you have to be fabulously wealthy to do it. Is that true? Not necessarily. No. In fact, uh, some of the people that we've met are digital nomads, and they're still working full time. They just can work from wherever they want. They're doing this. Uh, Some people are sort of semi-retired and, you know, still doing some some digital nomad type gigs. Uh, but I think the, the, the pandemic woke us up to the fact that you, know, you can do an awful lot of things from wherever you like. And a lot of people are doing that. Uh, we, we met one couple that is just doing this indefinitely. They're probably 50 or something. And they're, they don't even have uh, a goal or an end game. They're just like, yeah, we'll just keep traveling and traveling as long as we want to until we get tired of it. Also, a lot of tricks that you can learn and resources you can tap into that will help save you a lot of money along the way. A lot of people that we know who do this, they have a set budget for the year and they stick to it. And one of the ways that they offset their cost is by doing professional house sitting and pet sitting. There are people around the world, they go on vacation and they want someone to watch their pets while they're gone. And they have a home and they say, we want to keep the pets here. 
So the travelers, the nomads, will house it for them for an extended period of time, wash their pets, and it's an even trade, and they don't have to pay anything for lodging. One couple that I met, they paid about $300 last year for lodging. The rest of it was all free from house and pet sitting. Ideally, we're looking for a lower uh, cost of living and, and a way lower cost of health care. And I think that's what a lot of people on the road are looking for as well. And so you go to these other countries and you can live more cheaply. It's hard to imagine sitting in the United States thinking, oh, you can travel. All this. If you're actually slow traveling in countries like Mexico or Ecuador, cost of living for most things is, is so much lower that it's very doable. How did this whole thing start for the two of you? Who was the one that came to the other and said, now, look, I know this is going to sound crazy, but what do you say we take at least a year, travel the world and look for a new place to live? And how did that conversation go? Well, as you know, Chris, I'm a salesperson. <laughs> so when, when I set my mind to something, I usually can get it. And uh, we've always been on the same page, though. We're partners, always have been. We like the same music. We like the same lifestyle. And COVID changed a lot of it for a lot of people. Our way of thinking, uh, the lifestyles changed. We got to a point where we're like, you know what? What would happen if we did this, because we traveled a lot and we're going, what would happen if we could travel full time? So I said to Chris, no obligation, no commitment. Let's just get a piece of paper and write pros and cons and let's see what happens. She said, uh, this deal is good for a limited time only. Bye now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was just, I had to, I, you know, I couldn't say no. No, but th this was something truthfully that we had kicked around for a number of years. It's like, wouldn't it be nice maybe to live in another country? Just got to the point where last January, I guess it was a, a year ago, January uh, 2021, we actually sat down and said, hey, well, what are we waiting for? Is there anything in particular that we're waiting for at this point in time? <laughs> and uh, we realized there was really nothing tethering us to Philadelphia, the United States or our house or anything. It was very well thought out. I will say that because it was not impulsive. This isn't something you should do impulsively. And we did the split page and then we said, okay, if we do this, which we want to, and we think we can, let's make a plan. And the first plan was to get our finances in order. And that was, of course, making sure that we had, we knew exactly what all of our assets were, how much we would get if we sold the house uh, what social security down the road are we going to be able to, to get and how is that going to supplement our income and any kind of income that we can generate while we're doing this. So it was all this big package that we put together. And then we met with our financial planner and they have all the little formulas and bells and whistles that they can enter into their system. And they said, yes, you can do this. If you have your budget, then you guys are fine. You can do it. From that point, it was a matter of like, okay, what's next? Are we emotionally ready to do it? Before the interview began, I know we were talking with you both about how there's sort of a community out there. And I feel like since the Best Picture win for Nomadland a couple of years ago, the awareness of communities, so to speak, for nomads, um, I know that that in particular covered across North America rather than internationally like you guys are. How did you find these communities? And in what ways do you feel like you can utilize them in your travels. The best place to go is Facebook and go in the groups. And then you just type in where you're going. For example, I did expats in Mexico 
expats in Greece, expats in Malaysia, anything that was on our radar. And I started a conversation and a relationship with people that are in these groups or even just to observe. I would just go on the site and just learn so much about the area because there's always a discussion. People are posting information. And if you have a question, easy enough to post it. And I've just gotten so many responses. People are so helpful. That's what's amazing about this whole journey is how people want to help each other. And I've gotten so much information this way. And in our travels, I've been able to meet people. We were just in Cuenca, Ecuador, and we had at least 10 or 12 people that we set up with. They invited us to Easter dinner. We had people over to our apartment for a brunch. And it's just an easy, easy way to get to meet people. And again, everyone's welcoming. Finally, some virtual friends are becoming real friends. We're actually actually meeting face to face. How many people do you communicate with on Facebook every day and you never end up meeting them? (laughs) Yeah, there's one group in particular I will highly recommend if anybody wants to make a note. It's called Go With Less. That's a fabulous group. These are people like us from all over the world who are traveling the world. Uh, They have a hybrid. Some people have a home base. Some keep their homes. Some sell their homes. Some rent out their homes. Some are like us, like get rid of everything and just go. So you're going to meet people from all walks of life. There's families that are, the parents are in their 40s and they have young kids and they're doing this too. They're like, you know what? No, we, we left. We're just traveling the world with our kids. So there's there's a lot of interesting people you can meet and join these groups, start doing your homework and getting information and you're going to feel a lot more comfortable. I know that you just mentioned that some people do a hybrid version. I know that you guys are doing the pack up, sell everything and travel. Did you consider doing a hybrid model or did you always just know that you wanted to leave everything sort of behind? I think that evolved. I think when we were first tossing the idea around about living in another country, the end goal was going to be to move somewhere else, but we weren't sure how we were going to go about it until a year and a half ago, we really started talking seriously about it. And, you know, it was a, we were in a good place in the real estate uh, market and we were kind of feeling done, like ready to move on and start looking around. And we thought about the the cost of having to keep up a home here while we were trying to travel. And it just seemed like that would double our costs. Yeah. And also the pro, to be honest, the proceeds from the house that we got, that really helped supplement our, our journey here too. Like sure. We really needed those funds. We don't regret it a bit. I know the both of you to be highly successful in, in your careers, in your individual careers. And I would almost even call you guys a, a power couple to go from where you, I'm serious, to go from where you were to live in that dream, even though that dream, I guess, means giving up some material things, creature comforts and things like that. What was that like? I mean, was it a realization like, ah, we're finally doing it? Or was it more like, oh, what are we doing? <laughs> I think a little of both. <laughs> it, it was a bit emotional uh, at first because we had to, yes, the roller coaster, we had to decide that our home was going to be completely dismantled and everything that we have, all our stuff, all our things that we hung on the wall to remember things or that we like to look at, um, all our toys that we like to play with, everything had to go. I was particularly struck by this because I had remodeled a room in the house to be my man room. And I had all kinds of memorabilia on the wall and it was my little place. I had my nice little leather chair and... (laughs) you know, a little, a little bar thing set up. And so 
that whole thing had to go. And I was like, oh, darn, this is the thing I hate about this the most. But it was things like that. And, and your photographs, you think, geez, you've got a bunch of old photographs before, before we had digital. <laughs> and so we had to go through and, and sort through all of those and get it down to the ones that we wanted to digitize so that we could preserve the memories that we wanted the most. And I have to say, digitizing the photographs, it was a monumental task, but we made it really fun because how often do you look through all your old photographs? So we had piles of photographs and we'd get a glass of wine and we would put the music on and we (laughs) through all the photographs and just like reminisce. And it's almost like saying goodbye in that way. Mm -hmm. And then we had a discard pile and a keep pile and we went through it three times. And each time the keep pile got smaller and smaller. (laughs) So we had fewer photographs to scan and send up to the cloud. And now we have them and we can put them on a slideshow on our computer anytime we want and look at them. And we probably see them now more than we ever saw them before. If you ever want to get your uh, get into a mindset of arranging your priorities, sift through your photographs. It really helps you to prioritize. <laughs> you both said that you, you came to the point where you asked yourselves and you decided that you were both emotionally ready to do this. You just kind of touched on, you know, that emotional aspect of it uh, with going through the pictures and everything. But what about friends, family? Uh, PJ, I know that you are originally from uh, Louisiana. Uh, Chris, you're from this area. When I say this area, I mean the Delaware Valley, Philadelphia. I'm I'm actually from the Chicago area. That's where I did most of my growing up. I was born in Cleveland and mostly raised in Chicago and went to school in Illinois. I ended up here in Philadelphia. We moved to Philadelphia together. Yes. Uh, Something else maybe your listeners may want to know is that in our situation, we have no children and and we decided to do that ourselves. We decided not to to have children and we had no pets. (laughs) So it was a little easier for us in that respect where our families are scattered all over the country. They're not in Philadelphia. We don't have the children, we don't have the pets. We were ready to leave our jobs, and that made our decision a lot easier. And I can see where it would be a lot more difficult for people who have their roots and their families there. So we totally understand that. Yeah, if you're used to seeing your your family at dinner every Sunday or something, then that that would be that would be tough. But we're used to our family being all over the country and never actually seeing them and just communicating with them by phone or Zoom or whatever. So we can still do that on the road. But I don't I, know that I, it makes it any easier because my parents keep threatening to move to Cabo, which is nowhere near where me and my sister would be. So nice. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but <laughs> go, go. <laughs> That's funny because your parents keep telling me we have no children. We're free to go. So I <laughs> We've never heard of them. <laughs> yeah. I know that you guys have made some very uh, friends that you hold dear uh, here in the uh, Philadelphia area. Uh, did, did they give you any grief when uh, you were planning this? Was there any moment where they said either, can we come along or you guys better write at least once a month? Yes, yes, and yes. The responses pretty much ran the gamut. One response that surprised me was that immediately some people would hear what we're doing and they go, oh, well, I can't do that. I've got this, 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 and this, and this going on. I can't do that. I'm like, Okay, <laughs> you know, that's, that's your path. You don't, you don't have to. This is what we're choosing. And then I believe that when we talked it out a little bit more, they started thinking, hmm, maybe we could do it. And I'm not saying they should. The visceral response that people had right away. Uh, the other one was people are just very envious. They're like, oh my gosh, I wish I could do that. Good for you guys go. So we've received nothing but love and support 
from everybody. And maybe even just a little bit worried about us. Like, oh, are you going to be okay? Yeah. Oh, Where yeah. are you going? <laughs> you going to go to a good neighborhood? <laughs> well, I totally get that because you, you got rid of your safety net. I mean, I, you know, some people might think about doing it and, you know, keeping the house and, and the home there so that you have a place to come back to if things don't go quite the way you planned. But you guys just said, oh, the heck with that. We're going out there and we're doing it. And in a way, was that kind of designed so that you wouldn't have that safety net and you would keep going? That's an interesting that's, question. That's an interesting I, point. Yeah, I, I don't know that we thought that part through. Um, I, I don't know if it was that as much, Chris, as the way I thought about it was if we were going to retire or move to Florida, the way a lot of people do, we wouldn't take our furniture with us because we'd want to go down there and get new furniture. But we, if we were to go to Florida, say the traditional way that people retire, we would get a new place, we'd get new furniture, and we'd only have one car probably. So it wasn't in that respect. It was in my mind. I'm like, okay, you know what? We're retiring to Florida, <laughs> but we're not. Well, yeah, and I, and I think there was a, a more of a practical you know, motivation too, because our plan, our mission was to say, at least for the first year, say, let's travel the world for a year and find a new place to live. And uh, I guess we just thought, what's the sense in continuing to pay for a home and cars and storage for stuff when we're not going to be using it for, for a year and, and maybe more by the time we find a place to live? What are we going to do with all that stuff now from some distance or be a, a trip home, an extra special trip home to start getting rid of all this stuff at that point? Why do it? Let, let's just get rid of it now and travel light. I will, I will say as far as our artwork goes, uh, we, I have some pieces that I have sentimental value to, and I gave them to my friends to hold and enjoy and display. And I said, whenever we settle, I'm going to want them back. But I don't want this beautiful artwork sitting in a storage box somewhere not being appreciated. So I have friends all over that have artwork from, from us, and they're enjoying it right now. And then we'll get it back eventually. That's very generous, really is. One of the, we were in Merida, Mexico, and we went to a meetup group that I saw on Facebook. We went to this meetup group and it was all young people about your age. And it was so fascinating what these young people are doing right now. And one couple that we met, he was from Amsterdam, his girlfriend was from Brazil, and they're getting together with a group of people and they're, they are buying property at the foot of a volcano in El Salvador. And they're building an eco village and they're paying for it with Bitcoin and Bitcoin is going to be their currency. Fascinating things that? like this are happening out there. And yeah. I was blown away by this and they were so passionate. They were like, we're doing this. We're going to go build this eco village and we're going to make our own life. And I thought we were brave. <laughs> right. <laughs> Have you heard of that movement, the FIRE movement? An acronym that stands for Financially Independent Retire Early. And yeah, it's, it's all about young people who are essentially retiring from the full-time rat race early uh, and continuing to work on the road as digital nomads and mm -hmm. uh, making, making their living and making their way through their life. I really admire them. I think that's infinitely uh, braver than somebody who is uh, at or very close to retirement age, and at least they have some money in the bank. Some of these people really don't. People way younger than us who are traveling the world, and they tell us about 
this town or that town that they're visiting. And we make decisions sometimes based on that. It looks like a good place to go. It looks like, eh, maybe not for us, but it really helps to guide us in making decisions. A lot of people are subsidizing their travels that way. So it's another way to do it. Like I was saying, there's so many ways, things you can do to subsidize your travels with the house sitting, the pet, sit, pet sitting, uh, getting sponsorships, doing a YouTube channel or a blog. You can actually do this. And me, I look for bargains. <laughs> I'm, I'm on there all the time looking for bargains and I find them. And we, we were in Cuenca, Ecuador, had a three bedroom, three bath apartment, beautiful neighborhood, beautifully furnished, modern. And it was about a thousand dollars for five weeks. That's pretty good. It was less than $40 a night. Yeah. <laughs> it was a beautiful place. That's getting back to what I was talking about, going to places with a lower cost of living. It's hard to imagine sitting here, but you can go to other places and spend a fraction of what we would spend here to travel around the United States. Those people that we're, we're meeting along the way, they have a budget of about 50000 a year and, or maybe a little bit under. So that could be a guideline or, or a rule of thumb that most people are being able to travel full time on that amount. Yeah, it's, it's probably less than what we were uh, paying just to have a home and keep it up in the cars and the insurance and the yeah. cable and all of those things that add up. I think our house alone, just keeping that up, when we had the mortgage was over 30000 a year just to keep the house. And that's one of the things to consider. You're divesting yourself of a whole lot of expenses when you leave home. Mm -hmm. no longer paying a mortgage. We're no longer paying for cars. We're no longer paying for insurance for all those things. So a whole lot of our expenses just went away that we can apply to what we need in travel. Um, so you guys were talking about making a list of places that you wanted to go and doing a little bit of research and deciding places that maybe were not so much for you. What was at the top of the list? Well, a couple of things that we definitely wanted to look at. We wanted to look at Mexico, uh, which we have this, this winter. And We've been hearing a lot about Ecuador as a popular expat place and Portugal. That's been a, uh, in the news lately. Uh, we were on an email list for International Living Magazine, and they are constantly sending out information. So I, I recommend hooking up with them. Uh, they're always sending out articles every day, uh, long emails about this place or that place. And uh, they give you some good practical information about real estate, the cost of living day to day, groceries, and that kind of thing. And you can it's, find you can find discover places to go again in these groups that I'm in. I never thought about going to Albania mm -hmm. or Bulgaria mm -hmm. or Montenegro. And these are places people say you've got to come. It's it's really inexpensive. Slovenia, they're going, it's beautiful, it's inexpensive. It's on sale. <laughs> we yeah. have people go, stay away from Puerto Vallarta. It's too expensive. Go to Ecuador instead. So that's where we went. Oh, okay. You know, we're going to Ecuador now. And uh, so you can find places and, and learn about places that weren't even on your radar. And we have every intention to check them out. We're going to Europe from here. So Yeah. And in the long, longer term plan, as we're looking for a place to actually settle down, the other thing you want to look at, how easy is it? to settle in a certain country? How easy do they make it to get permanent residency for you to maybe have a bank account there or become a citizen if you want to, or get a passport? So there's all kinds of variations in, in rules from country to country. So you guys have definitely ruled out the United States of America. I'm going to go ahead and say that Canada is also probably off the list. Too cold up there. But the cost of living is too much like here. 
Yeah. It must be nice not to be paying property taxes. Is there are so many expenses that, you know, that you guys have, have just given up in order to do what you're doing. And you, I guess in a way you really kind of had to, to do it that way. Yeah. Yes. You're going to be untethered. That's for sure. <laughs> but how do you get around? How do you get from place to place? How do you decide when it's time to move on? Are you on some sort of hard schedule or are, do you make it up as you go along? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> we, we, we like to maintain flexibility while at the same time plan ahead enough so where we're not in one place scrambling to find the next place. That's the downside of travel is that full-time travel is a full-time job. This is what I'm finding out. I do most of the planning, the research, and the booking, and it can be stressful. There's even something I learned in the group. It's called decision fatigue, where you get stressed out and you're tired of making decisions. And we, I do so much research trying to find the next place to go. And, and, the, and the lodging is important because we want to have a nice, safe, comfortable place. Uh, for us, it's working out to be what's called slow travel, where we're in one place four to six weeks. And that's working out perfectly for us. Now, some countries only allow you 30 days. Mexico allowed us six months. And we said, we're going to take advantage of this. And we, we went to eight different places in Mexico over a six-month period. And we had nice apartments. We stayed for a while. We became part of the fabric of the community almost where we lived there. And we got an experience as to what it's like to live here. And for us, that seems to be working out really well is the slow travel. We find out that after four to five weeks, we're ready to move on and we're excited to move on. So it's not drudgery like, oh, let's hurry up and pack and hectic and let's get out of here again. So we slow it down. Europe is gonna be a challenge. It'll be the first time that we're really gonna fast travel. We're only allowed 90 days collectively for all the countries in the EU. So you only have 90 days to see all these places, and we're going to, to be more fast traveling through there. And that was a, an example of how sometimes you have to be flexible and move left, move right, uh, because our original plan was to spend the winter in, in Southeast Asia. But Southeast Asia was pretty closed up because of COVID, so it became an impractical uh, destination. So we ended up spending the entire winter in Mexico which was not part of the plan, but it was, it, it worked out because it got us to, it got us introduced to several different areas of Mexico. So we could really get a, a strong feel for what Mexico is like in different parts of the country. Yeah. And then when they were saying, oh my gosh, it's too expensive to go here. We go, oh, Ecuador's on sale. Let's go there. And we were allowed 45, uh, we were allowed 90 days in Ecuador, but we only stayed 45 because we knew we we're going to come back here. And from here we launch, believe me, Fort Lauderdale, where we are right now is not a vacation. We are so busy. We have like eight appointments set up, getting personal business taken care of. And from here we launch and we go to Europe and we're keeping that flexible too. We have three countries booked. And after that, I'm keeping it flexible. We're like, okay, now where do we go? And have we eaten up our 90 days? Or where do we want to eat up our 90 days and, and get the most, most use out of, out of our time there? You have your rail pass in hand there for the European Union? Yeah, I have one, one train fare booked in advance, and that's it. The rest <laughs> of it, it's just easy. You just pop on a train. Like, we're going to Venice from Venice. We're going to Verona. It's an hour train ride. We'll just hop on the train. No reservation, just go and go to Verona and Ravella, I think. And then Ravenna. Ravenna and then Florence. And then from there, we go to uh, Lisbon, Portugal, and then down to the Algarve of Portugal. In a nutshell, you know, you can plan in advance as much as you 
can that you're comfortable with. And on the other hand, you want to maintain flexibility too. A lot of places are requiring they're non-refundable, like at Airbnb, some hotels now are non-refundable. So you have to really weigh it out and say, am I willing to commit to that or should I wait and see and try to get some last minute bargains, which you can get. I know when I lived in London, I would have traded my right arm to get a Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee. Is there anything that you came back to the U.S. and you were like, we need to get this like before we leave? Cosmopolitan martinis. <laughs> That's my thing. Yeah. Chris is a master cosmopolitan maker. He knows exactly how I like it. We can't get a cosmopolitan to save our life. He even speaks Spanish. He's telling them in Spanish how to make it. And it's like having a baby. It's absolutely <laughs> exhausting trying to teach bartenders how to make a simple mixture. And then, and it's funny, at least in Latin America, you know, you, you try to explain a cosmopolitan and they may even have cocktails on their menus, but you try to explain this to them and say, no, we need the Cointreau, we need the, the vodka and this. And they're like, oh, mm, if you're going to have this other ingredient, I'm going to have to charge you separately. That's a separate charge. We're like, like, fine. Well, okay. However you do it, just these are the ingredients. Okay. You know, Please do it. and then, so this two parts of this one part of that, I got, I finally just wrote it down. I wrote down the recipe for a simple martini in Spanish and, and for a cosmopolitan. And I just said, here, uh, give this to the bartender or here, bartender, read this. And they go over it and they're sometimes they're consulting with the waiter and they're talking about how do you make this Where, where's that bottle you know it's like it's like nobody orders these things it's like they just put uh, shots funny. of tequila and beer over the top and they're not they're not used to doing anything else it's, it's it is exhausting how about you do you have anything that you that you miss you know some of our favorite brands you know i can't find my deodorant anywhere i'm <laughs> And using something that makes me itch and say, oh, come on, where's, where, come on, my products. I need my products, you know, and, and some of the it's food true. products, like I'm, I have a little bit of cholesterol stuff going on. And so I've been a kind of a, a label reader and a, you know, I try to buy healthy, healthy foods. And as far as produce, yeah, you can get lots of it. But if you're buying any kind of packaged food, it's really tough to find the things that are like lower fat, lower sodium, things like that. And I did. I had three Amazon boxes over here that I ordered to be picked up before we came. I ordered all this stuff on Amazon, like little things I, I'd have to share with you. But I'm like, OK, I'm ordering these things because I know I can't find it. So we're stocking up before we head out. Yeah. And clothing. That's something that we noticed, too, like shoes and, and clothing. Some things we just can't find. Sneakers that we were looking quality for just nothing. can't get good quality. And yet the price isn't that great either. So it depends. So I guess my recommendation is plan to make a pit stop into the United States, stock up on your stuff you <laughs> before you head out again, replenish yeah. your supplies. Stop the U.S. for supplies. <laughs> <laughs> it's like such a brain block when you realize it's like a stupid thing that you like are missing so bad. And you're like, I just, I'm not understanding why they don't have it. Like, it's like how I was. Then the second I was picked up by my parents, they had one in the car and you would have thought I hadn't drank anything in my life for the last four months, the way I like went at that coffee. So, but yeah, so I completely understand. It's like, it's such small things. And you're like, I didn't realize that this was this important to me until I didn't have it anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. I totally get that Gab, because the, the four years I spent in California, I could not get a good cup of Wawa coffee. And yeah. when ah. I got, you know, the first thing I did when I got to uh, 
to California off the plane was go to In-N-Out Burger. And the, the first thing I did when I got back here to the Philly area was go to Wawa. <laughs> go Wawa, a cup of coffee, you know. Uh, <laughs> I think they had those here in Florida, too. I think they have Wawa's. We're going to find one. We're going to find one. We're going to go and have a cup of coffee for you. So when are you guys leaving for Europe? When's the next leg begin? It's at the 10th, right? May 10th. May 10th. Okay, so, so you're less than a week away. Yeah. Yeah. So we came here. We got our booster shot. So our arms are a little sore. We got our booster yesterday and we're taking care of some other business, too. Uh, one thing I'd like to touch on, if that's OK, is uh, the medical situation and healthcare in the other countries. I'll give an example. We we're in Ecuador and we got a teeth. We got our teeth cleaned and exam for forty five dollars and what? the teeth forty five dollars for teeth cleaning and yeah. an exam. And she was amazing. Uh, we met with a doctor. We got a, a complete physical and blood work. The physical was $35 each and the blood work was $75. And we got the results back in two hours. Uh, we, we, needed a test. we needed a COVID test to come back to the U.S. The doctor came to our condominium at seven o'clock in the morning on a Saturday per our request, did our COVID test. And we had the e for $20. And we had the results back in two, two hours via email. So it's, it's very good if you're in a modern city or a bigger city in any of these South American countries, you can rest assured that the healthcare is very, very good and really affordable. Yep. I know that you guys are at the end of this journey of yours, you're going to be living in a totally different place. And I'm sure you don't know at this point where that's going to be. So as you go along, do you have like a bingo card and do you have anything already on there as a possible? And I know because your journey continues now across the Atlantic, is there any place that you've been to now where you have said to each other, yeah, I could see us living there for the rest of our lives? Well, we said that initially about Lisbon, Portugal. And so we're interested to go back there and see if we can, uh, recreate that and or or you know just confirm that i think i'm what, not sure there's any one perfect place what we're realizing is there's no perfect weather and <laughs> that's what we've seen so far and we're warm weather people and we're looking at possibly having two or three home bases if you will and one could be in the united states one could be in mexico one could be in europe we, we're still finding our way through that again some places are perfect in the winter they're too hot in the summer vice versa, you know, the exchange rate, we could maybe winter in Mexico and summer in Canada and take advantage of the exchange rate in both places. We could go to Europe for the summer and someplace else for the winter. So we're, we're finding our way. And I just don't see it right now being one place at this point. And, and the last time we said that to somebody, they were like, oh, well, like, like must be nice. And I said, oh, no, we're not going to own homes in all those places. We're just going to rent, rent and hopefully find a place we like and make a deal with the landlord. We'll be back in six months. Uh, hold it for us. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. At this point in time, we're not really planning on owning property at all anymore. Uh, we'll probably just rent for the rest of our lives. I have to say I'm very jealous. It's not something that's, that's going to happen for me. I, I'm so far dug in again here on the East Coast that uh, I probably... You get the grandbabies too, right? That's well, that's it. You know, I've got family and friends here that I don't want to leave, quite frankly, even though my brother, uh, Gab's father, would uh, move 
halfway across the globe if he could. So long, so long, Chris, so long, family, so long, kids, so long, everybody. Tell him to look us up. <laughs> so long, Chris. So long, his daughters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot about you too. I, sorry. But yeah, I'm, look, I'm pro Cabo because then I have a place to visit. So like, <laughs> I, I'm okay with this arrangement. My sister is not so okay with the arrangement, but. I'm, I'm good with your dad going too, by the way. <laughs> And uh, if you talking, we're talking like it's a done deal, yeah, I think right, gonna... yeah. <laughs> you guys talked yourself into it in the course of this interview. <laughs> well, our uh, untethered travelers, Chris and PJ Klein, Godspeed to you both and uh, continued happiness and uh, wonderful adventures on your uh, your trek around the world. And I know the two of you are going to live happily ever after somewhere or maybe somewheres. Okay, be sure to follow us on Facebook, PJ's Klein, C-L-I-N-E. And maybe, you know, we'll, we'll be at the same place at the same time and we'll be able to meet up. The world is very tiny. We will meet again. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much, you guys. guys. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Enjoy. Take care. Well, that certainly was interesting. I do admit I am jealous of those two, although I could never, ever do that at this point in my life. You know, even though I'm retired and really not working anymore and not really tied down, I just couldn't leave my grandkids for that long to discover the world. Although that would be a, a major good reason why you would do something like that, right? Yeah, I totally agree. I think it would be difficult to leave right now for a multitude of reasons, but it doesn't mean I'm not jealous. And well, like you just started a new job, for example, that would, <laughs> that would this wouldn't be the best time to to go in search of your new home. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should just commit a crime and then be on the lamb and then that'll give me a reason to go. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Maybe that's maybe that's exactly what they've done. Maybe we've been suckered into that. Maybe those two are just, you know, wanted by the FBI and uh <laughs> whatever else in Europe would be looking for criminal. I I doubt it. I I know the both of them very well and they're they're great people. Yes, indeed, I am jealous. And maybe, like we said, maybe we'll get a chance to talk to them again once they've uh, expanded their search and when they finally decide where they're going to land. Yeah, it seems like they don't know yet, so it'll be a fun journey to follow along on. All right, so we'll wrap this up here for this week. Thanks for listening, guys. We do appreciate having your ears on the Encore podcast, and we'll check in next week with a brand new episode.